Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We sing praises to the Lord. The Lord of Lent. The Lord that goes to the cross before us. Leading us to God's forgiveness. We follow Mark's account this morning. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The 11th chapter of Mark. Verses 1 through 11, when they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, said to them, go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been written, has never been ridden, and untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told him what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. May the Lord bless you at the reading and hearing of God's word. Palm Sunday, a pause for applause, a pause for applause. We yearn for applause, don't we? We yearn for it. Applause of the crowd, likes on our social media page, drive us, motivate our behavior. Social media drives us in the direction that will generate a viral sense of applause. Indeed, the whole internet is kind of built around this notion of applause and liking, driving the whole, the whole affair. Google's algorithms, the instructions that it uses to deliver you your search results, is based on building into your search reinforcement of what you've already searched for, what you've already liked, what you've already applauded in your life. Did you know that? You're getting back the kind of affirmation and applause and like that you have already put into the system. The internet gives you back in the searches a reinforcement of your ideas, your knowledge, your likes, your tastes delivered handily right into your inbox, right on the side of your Facebook page. Applause drives us, but it also splits us it splits us apart from our neighbor, from our family. This same kind of reward and reinforcement ends up treating us a little bit like mice in a maze, scurrying after the bits of reinforcement we can get. We know what deadly results this can have, looking for affirmation in the social media age, particularly for our young people. We only hear back from the internet in the end, increasingly, 
from the views and the ideas that we want to hear. Sort of echo chamber, if you were, if you will, of the kinds of things and ideas that we hold in our in dear in our heart. We end up going in the direction of applause, and we end up surrounded by the crowd of our own choosing, never hearing any other voices. This is not what Jesus was about at Palm Sunday. Jesus at Palm Sunday upends the road of reinforcement and reward, the kind of applause that was given to him. It says here in the text, not as he was in Jerusalem, as we often mistakenly think, but on the way in, the pause for applause, the people came to applause and to applaud Jesus because they saw in him the national liberation, the cleansing of Israel. They heard in his preaching a reminder of the national liberation that they had received a century over a century ago in the Maccabean revolt. They came to applaud their own idea of the Messiah, come to liberate and to cleanse. But instead, Mark forces us to look away from the pause for applause, beyond the applause, to get us beyond the crowd's psychology into the heart of God on the week before Lent. Instead, we end this passage with Jesus in a quiet moment in the temple. It is late. He lingers. He looks around. And He launches into mission to go the last part of the road to the cross for the cleansing of our temple. The pause for applause. We've heard a lot of that recently. Have any of you been caught up in the madness that is March Madness? We pause for applause with March Madness. Ironically, we talk about the road to Lent right when we have the road to the Final Four. And the Final Four will conclude with the National Championship the day after Easter. A pause for applause. There's been a lot of pausing for the Cinderella teams, Loyola of Chicago, and, Ner and the nun, Sister Jean. What an exciting story, the Cinderella's. We pause and we applaud both Cinderella's and champions in this season. The pause for applause for Christ. This last moment was a march of gladness into Jerusalem that presaged and previewed the march to sadness, the Via Dolorosa to come, ultimately the road to victory. And Jesus pushes beyond the applause to the appointment with God on the cross, His destiny for the true cleansing of the temple. Crowds, applause. They can make us do strange things, and we see it at March Madness. You see men standing up in the crowd with big old beer bellies painted in the colors of every team that they support, and they'd never be seen in public any other way. Crowd psychology is interesting. It can make us cheer for the darndest things. You may be cheering for Sister Jean and the Loyola Chicago group. You never even heard of them before. We cheer for teams we don't even know. Crowd psychology. Crowd sourcing. Crowd rejoicing. Marches. Crowds can make us do a lot of things, and the politicians know 
They can get us marching. They can change the political temperature and the dynamic. But humans know that the crowd can also unleash bitter forces into our world. Crowds can make us brave. They can make us buffoons. And they can make us cruel and bestial towards our neighbor. Crowds. The same crowd that is cheering so joyfully in the march of gladness in the Palm Sunday processional that the Palm processional that we see the crowd changes so soon and the cheers stop and the energy turns to violence that will ultimately kill Jesus the march of gladness turns into a march of sadness and a crowd filled with madness will call crucify him before the week is out That's what was happening in the march of gladness. The way from Palm Sunday and the march of gladness to Good Friday, the march of sadness and madness leads through Good Friday and leads to a cross. What was this march of palms all about anyway? It doesn't really say palms in the text. It just says a leafy, what did it say? A leafy branch. Probably a palm, but they probably could have grabbed any old branch. It wouldn't be so great here in South Georgia if we went out and got a pine tree branch with pine cones on it. But it could have been, right? You know, It would change the way Ken would have to decorate. Thank you for the lovely decoration of the palms. Amen? But grabbing any old leafy branch, you might pull up an old pine cone. Pine. What's that? Crepe myrtle would be a beautiful piece. The March of Palms was not so much about the vegetation. It was about a victory. It was about a victory that had happened over 150 years earlier when a despot, a despot named Antiochus Epiphanes, who was the Saddam Hussein of his time, was a brutal dictator around 167 B.C. who ruled over Judea. And he precipitated a giant revolt among the Jews when he came and had his people set up a statue to Zeus in the temple of the Jews and sacrificed a pig on it. You cannot have a bigger slap in the face to the Jewish people than to sacrifice the blood of a pig on the altar, the Passover altar. And so it, this sparked a revolt among a Jewish leader named Mattathias, whose son Judas, Maccabeus, and his other brothers, Jonathan and Simon, took up weapons and fought for over 20 years against the ruling oppressors. Ultimately, after 20 years, achieving Judean independence. Sorry for the history lesson. Dr. D gives you the history lesson. But this is the victory that they were singing about in Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings of the victory of God. The cleansing of the temple was the meaning of the celebration in Psalm 118. We, we sang the Psalter together. Blessings at the restoration of the temple and the cleansing of the altar. 
And so this victory is being commemorated, kind of like we commemorate the July 4th victory uh, and of our independence. And so it's a victory celebration. The palms are victory symbols, V for victory. The Jewish nation and God's kingdom restored. And the applause is for this in Jesus Christ and his ministry. The kingdom of God is preached and the people heard in this messianic message that the temple would be cleansed, that Rome would be pushed as its oppressor away and God's kingdom instead of the kingdom of Rome would emerge victorious. It was a victory celebration and the applause was real. But Jesus on his long road to victory will destroy these expectations. He will move well beyond the applause because his victory is of another sort. And this victory will lead to his victimization at the cross. In the tournament, the March Madness tournament, we know how things can be upended so quickly. Expectations. If you're a University of Virginia fan, you know your bracket was busted and your expectations destroyed in the first round. Jesus on his road to victory will bust some brackets of expe expectation among the Jews. The Jewish messianic expectation that you're going to have in the Messiah not only religious liberation and cleansing, but political liberation. For those who like their religion to deliver a strong dose of political power, Jesus' messiahship will be a bracket buster. We know our expectations can so easily, as God's people, be upended and surprised. And Lent is really about surprising us again with God's mercy and God's love that will go the way, the road to the final victory of the cross. It is a surprising, sacrificial victory. One, not with the weapons of power as in the Maccabean revolt, but with a cross of bleeding sacrifice. The church in Lent, in any time of the year really, will have its brackets of expectation surprised and God's path of forgiveness will come in surprising forms. There was a little boy who was sick on Palm Sunday and he stayed home from church with his mother. And his father came home from church with one of the palm branches. And the boy was curious. He said, why do you have that palm branch, Daddy? The dad replied, you see, when Jesus came into town, everyone waved the palm branches to honor him. So we got palm branches today. The little boy was upset. He replied, oh, shucks, the one Sunday I miss church and Jesus shows up. <laughs> you ever have that feeling? You keep coming and you're wondering when Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and shows us surprisingly in the cross. God's victory is ours through this cruel instrument. The road from Palm Sunday celebrates this royal road to victory will come as we follow our leader to a crimson cross of suffering. And there we find our cleansing. 
the road to the cross with Jesus is a long road that runs through sadness and the madness of the crowd that will reveal God's mission of love and forgiveness to us. But it's a strange kind of procession. I mean, if you look at all the odd events that happen there within it, there's not really for a king like Jesus who is coming into his kingdom, there's curiously sort of a slapdash, ad hoc, uh, sort of crazy, haphazard way of preparing for it. Now, you wouldn't prepare for any state visit by a king with saying, just go out and grab us a, a colt and we'll get the branches together or whatever we can find and, and we'll, we'll line the road. My son-in-law is a Secret Service agent and he's in the Miami district and whenever the heads of state come to Miami and to West Palm Beach, which they do because the president is there in Mar-a-Lago very often, they don't just go out and grab the nearest... Uh, security apparatus, or they don't just go out and grab the nearest car to bring in the head of state. They have it all carefully choreographed. Protection, security, bulletproof vehicles. It's a strong preparation. You don't just throw it together at the last minute, as it appears this happens in the New Testament. Lots of preparation. Down to even when the very last member, the third cousin of the family of the head of states, ex-wife who comes for the processional, they make sure that last individual's on the plane and sometimes my son-in-law has to chase this person down to get him on the plane. Lots of preparations. And he does not say, blessed is he who comes in the name of Canada. And he doesn't say, blessed is he who comes in the name of Haiti or of, uh, of Mexico. It's, he blesses, but it's a different kind of blessing when they can't find all the members of the party. This is not the kind of head of state we're expecting. The humble donkey grabbed by someone at the last minute from a nameless person. Jesus is going beyond the applause. Jesus is going beyond expectations. He's bracket busting. He's, he's going down a long road that begins in Palm Sunday and takes us with Him all the way through Good Friday and to the tomb Itself, getting beyond the applause. How do we get beyond the applause with Jesus and prepare to, pol to follow the path that He calls us to in Lent? Some of you may remember the, the great saint, Corey Tin Boom, who survived and uh, helped Jewish survivors in World War II. Corey Tin Boom was a Christian who helped shelter Jews from the Nazis during the Second World War. And she was given an honorary degree many years later, and many rose up to applaud her. And she was interviewed, and a reporter asked her, how do you remain humble? Hearing so much applause and acclaim. And she said, young man, I remember that Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem humbly on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey. Everyone was waving palm branches and throwing garments, singing praises and applauding. But soon, the applause stops. Do you think for one moment it ever entered the head of the donkey that day that any of the applause was for him? <laughs> I just follow the donkey. 
Follow the donkey. With or without applause, staying humble, staying with Jesus, lingering, staying the course. Golfers call it grinding out around. Football players know about grinding out a game. Sometimes God's calling us as God's people to be grinders, to linger, stay the course, even if we sometimes must play the role of the donkey who bears the burdens of the Christian walk faithfully to get beyond the applause of the world. This is something we as disciples can aspire to, to be grinders for the gospel's sake, that the cross might be lifted up in the world. Or perhaps we can find small acts of faithfulness, like the owner of the donkey. Have you ever considered the owner? Nameless, not named by Mark in the account, but yet faithfully loaning out the donkey with little more than a promise that we'll return it. Again, small acts of faithfulness on the road with Jesus so that Jesus can get beyond the applause and get on His way to the temple to get the last pause, beyond the applause, for the road to final victory. Jesus went to the temple. And I think this is where Mark shines his flashlight brightest. We have made the processional the story. I think Mark is pointing to the quiet, lingering in the temple. As Jesus is trying to recalibrate and follow the presence of God where it will lead him to the crimson cross, he goes to the temple. It is late. He lingers. It is dark. His heart is quieted. He lingers in the presence of God and he looks around and he sees the path. He sees the temple and he knows that the true cleansing of the temple will happen on the road to Golgotha. And so it was late and he launches his last walk and he takes his disciples with him to Bethany. He lingers, he looks, and he launches on down the road in faithfulness. I think that's our pause for applause. As we come to this temple, this moment, we linger in the presence of God. We seek the cross, its meaning for our lives, its challenge to our selfishness, its challenge to our need for affirmation and approval and applause from the world. And we look around and we see the faithfulness and we hear the faithfulness of the saints of old. Let us launch into Lent, into the final road to victory, beyond the applause. In late game situations in March Madness, you need a player who can get beyond the applause to make the final shot of victory. You know when your team is down by three, or two, preferably, and you've got the last shot, you know you need somebody with ice water in the veins. One who gets a good look at the basket. One who lingers, has a moment to gather perspective. Who looks to the basket unimpeded, and who launches the shot. You want someone, if you're going to go on a long run in March Madness, you need somebody to get beyond the applause for a buzzer beater.
you need a good look to linger and launch a game winner. Jesus took His disciples with Him who ultimately do not follow all the way to the cross. Few did. But in the march of sadness, Jesus leads the way for all of us disciples in Lent who will linger at the cross, pause to get beyond the applause, and walk, having seen the faithfulness of our Lord, will follow after Him, even as those first disciples could not. It's only when Christ could get beyond the applause of the crowd and the crowd psychology that sought easy political victory that we can linger and look and launch and join Jesus in the ultimate road walking with God to cleanse our temple, to cleanse our lives, to recalibrate our faithfulness in the way of the cross. Palm Sunday celebrates a royal road to victory, a final victory, but it comes to those who follow the way to a crimson cross of suffering and who find cleansing in the cross of Jesus Christ. What do you pause for in a busy life? In our own marches of madness in our lives and in our sadness, what do we pause for? What is important enough to pause for? What is important enough to lead us beyond the applause of the crowd? What will launch us on a road to go and grow with the Christ who goes to the cross? Will we get a good look at the cross? Will we linger with it? And will we launch with Jesus deeper into Lent and go all the way with Christ to the cross, the crimson cross of suffering? Get a good look. Linger. Look around. For it is already late. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And now our own applause, our own hymn of dedication and affirmation is directed by hymn 277, Tell Me the Stories of Jesus. This cross is available for your confession. This altar is open for your prayers. Come, may the people of God, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.